stories of the Bible. Jesus and the children. This is Jesus. hey Who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love and healed people from their sickness. He did many miracles like calming storms and even raised people from the dead. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. Ah, hold on there. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and blessed them. All right, well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good. Well, it's good to be together today around God's Word for Family Worship Sunday. I want to just I'll mention two things before we dive into the Word. For one, uh, we got a full room. It's packed in here. So if you can uh, just move uh, to the center of your row, if possible, uh, as much as you can, that would be great. Just move as closest to the center of the row as you can. We still got a couple people in the lobby uh, looking to find a seat. So if you can help us out with that. And secondly, I apologize for any lack of communication or, or clarity, but middle school is still meeting today, so if you are a teenager, a middle school age kids, uh, you can uh, go down the hallway to the uh, community room A. Our middle schoolers are still gathering this morning uh, for their regular programming. <clears throat> well, um, on another note, it's good to be with you guys. My name is Drew, and I serve as one of the pastors here at this church, and it really is a joy when we get to gather all ages in this room uh, for worship and also for time around God's word. Uh, We're going to be continuing in our sermon series through the book of Mark called Following Jesus. So this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 13 through 16. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. And kids, now would be a great time for you guys not only pull out your Bibles, uh, but you can pull out your activity sheets. All right, let me see your activity sheet, kids. If you have that, pull it out. That would be a great way for you guys to take notes, to color, to doodle as you're listening to this morning's sermon. If you haven't noticed already in the video, uh, today's text is going to revolve around a particular group of people trying to reach Jesus, but are rejected by Jesus' disciples as they approached him. And in response to that rejection, Jesus shares profound truths with, with his disciples that I think are crucial for us to know today. But if there's one point Uh, that I want you guys to take away from today, it's this. It's when you draw near to Jesus, he will draw near to you. All right, that's our bottom line uh, for today. It's on the screens. Why don't we say it together? When you draw near to Jesus, he will draw near to you. So let's look at the text for today in Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. We're going to read it together. Follow and I'll explain it. And then I will share four applications for you to consider in light of God's word. So verse 13 through 16 says, people were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. 
Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And after taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. So in verse 13, it says, people were bringing kids to Jesus. And who were these people that were bringing the kids? These people were likely parents, grandparents, or older siblings bringing younger children um, and their families to Jesus. And why were they doing this? Because throughout his ministry, Jesus performed great miracles for the glory of God and for those around them, for the good of those around them. And as we've read in chapters prior, Jesus was compassionate in feeding the hungry and liberating the demon oppressed and healing the sick. So as a result, there was a growing respect that increased among the crowds, especially for those in need, for those who were in need. So therefore, these parents and guardians brought their children to Jesus so he might lay his hands on them and bless them. However, the disciples rebuked the people and their children, sending them away. And you might wonder, well, why would the disciples reject sweet, innocent, and even adorable little children? Well, it all depends on whose kids we're talking about because some kids aren't that cute. Y'all know that some kids be acting buck wild, man. You, you just spend an hour or two at a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party, and you'll see some things or smell some things. All right, trust me. But in all seriousness, the rejection from the disciples didn't have to do with the kids' behavior. When you study the text, there's a common view from biblical scholars that children often in this time were held to a low regard in ancient Jewish culture. They were treated as second-class citizens. And the parents would see them, their parents would see them as special or endearing, but not necessarily those outside of their nuclear family. So it's likely the disciples rejected the children because they thought the kids were unimportant, or they thought the kids would bother Jesus, or they potentially thought it would be socially improper for the kids to engage with Jesus. Some theologians even suggest because Jesus was on the move towards Jerusalem where he would be crucified, that the disciples may have thought Jesus would be, time would be better spent with adults. So their intention maybe wasn't motivated by unkindness, but a desire to honor their teacher's time. But regardless for the reasons as to why the disciples rebuked them, this is, uh, <clears throat> uh, this is Jesus' uh, response when they did so. In verse 14, it says, when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So Jesus was angry due to the unjust treatment that was extended to the parents and children. He had a strong emotional reaction towards the lack of empathy from the disciples. In other translations, it says he was displeased, meaning this type of treatment bothered him to the core. So Jesus, in response, issues two sharp commands. He says, let the little children come to me. And he adds, don't stop them. The disciples that have rejected the children are now rebuked by Jesus. And why so? Because when you draw near to Jesus, he will draw near to you. Right, listen, we don't want to be the ones who come between Jesus and children. Like, trust me, we don't want to get in his way because children belong to God. So if you have a problem with kids, then you got to deal with him. It's like, think about it this way. I think about a mama bear defending her cubs. Like, it, and we got a picture here. So if anyone... Uh, attempts to harm a cub, a mother bear will quickly come to the aid of her cubs and even give her life in defense of her cubs. Like you can Google it or YouTube it on your own time, but bottom line, you don't want to get between a six foot tall grizzly bear when they're standing or and 300 pound uh, mama grizzly bear uh, in, in, uh, coming in between you and her cubs. 
all right? And honestly, you don't want to get in between any moms in this room and their kids, all right? Trust me, all right? So worse than a grizzly. All right, but similarly, don't get between Jesus and his children. Like, you see, the low status that children held in this ancient society greatly displeased Jesus. He's angry about the injustice and the marginalization of these precious children, and rightfully so. So for the disciples to prevent children from coming to Christ directly defied what the scriptures had formerly taught about God's design and his heart for children. So when you study the Bible, it reveals that God values kids at such a high regard because ultimately they are created by God in his image and they belong to God. The Bible also tells us in Psalm 127.3 that children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. So children are created by God and are a gift from God, which is why Jesus welcomes them in his presence. But plus, Jesus adds something significant here. He says that the kingdom of God belongs to them. And you might be wondering, well, what does it mean by the kingdom of God? Well, throughout the scriptures, the concept of the kingdom of God takes on different meanings depending on the context of the passage. In a broad sense, the kingdom of God is the rule of an eternal sovereign God over all the universe. In a narrow sense, the kingdom of God is a spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those who submit to his authority. And in another sense, the kingdom of God refers to the literal rule of Jesus on earth when he physically returns. But here in Mark chapter 10, verse 14 through 15, I believe that when Jesus refers to the kingdom of God, he is referring to it in a narrow sense, which is God's present spiritual rule over one's life. And what's powerful about this statement from Jesus is he's not only saying that children are welcome in his presence, but they can also have a relationship with Jesus. So Jesus didn't see them as second-class citizens in his kingdom. Rather, he accepted them freely without reservation and invited them to commune with him. And listen closely to what Jesus adds about the kingdom of God and children. Verse 15, truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So here's another reason why we see children are valued to Jesus, because Jesus says that children model what it takes for someone to come to God. Now, kids know what it's like to have a low independent status. Like all children are needy independent. All right, they're needy and dependent. And kids, this is no offense to you guys in the room. You naturally need help with a lot of things, like remembering to brush your teeth every night, knowing what to wear to school, um, someone who can prepare your meals or someone who can keep you safe when you're out in public. But there are times that for some of us adults in the room, this sense of dependency and neediness can be overwhelming. Like for some parents, you just need a breather sometimes because raising children isn't that easy. Like sometimes you just need a moment. So some of you guys can identify with this meme right here. All right, it's something about when you, uh, <laughs> when you go to the bathroom, right? And you just either need a break or you need to handle your business and somebody's knocking on the door or someone's saying, mom, dad, dad, mom, mom, or you see the little hand slide. All right, I got a one-year-old at home right now, Sophia, and she's doing that right now. She slides a hand under the door to let me know that she's there. Well, you see, the point is children are overly dependent upon their parent or guardian because they trust in that person to provide for their needs. They understand their limitations and therefore trust in those who can help them where they lack. So this is why they trust adults wholeheartedly and with humility. And in a similar sense, Jesus is saying those who receive the kingdom of God can only receive it if they approach it like a child. Like unless one receives God's rule with a childlike faith 
and dependence upon God, he will never see God's kingdom. And kids model for us what it looks like to draw close to God. And what we see here is if we approach God as a child would, he will draw near to us. Like just as kids have limits, all people have limitations. But the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God of the universe has made a way for people to know him personally through his son, Jesus. And this was an important lesson for the disciples because the religious leaders of their time were often prideful and relied on their own self-righteousness. However, acceptance into the kingdom of God requires the exact opposite. One should be humble, acknowledging their sin before God and place their whole trust in him. And those who don't receive God's kingdom as a gift now, with the trustful attitude of a child, will never enter it, but will be excluded from future blessings in Christ for all eternity. So considering this profound lesson from Jesus, he then goes on to do this in verse 16. says, after taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. So after correcting and teaching the disciples, Jesus turns his attention to the children that were once rejected and models the type of response the disciples should have given from the beginning. Now he welcomes them and he hugs them. He gives them his time and attention and loves them. And he also blessed each child that came to him. His loving action vividly illustrated his blessing is freely given to those who receive it trustingly. So what can we take away from today's text? Well, I want to encourage you to consider four applications before we leave today. And we're going to start with number one. And I want to invite you guys to repeat this after me. So number one, we have it on the screen. Jesus invites children to draw near to him. Oh, come on, church. We can do better than that. Number one, Jesus invites children to draw near to him. There we go. So kids and teenagers in the room, listen closely. God welcomes you today, and if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you belong to his family. Like regardless of your age, how you're treated, or how others see you, God sees you as a precious gift that he created. And regardless of how you view yourself, in God's eyes, you are so precious to him, and he desires for you to draw near to him today. And some of you kids in the room might think you're not big enough or talented enough or smart enough, or special enough, but God thinks otherwise. He absolutely loves you, even though you are perfect, or don't know it all, or can't do it all, and he invites you to draw near to him and experience the depths of his love and care for you. Therefore, kids and teenagers, I invite you today to pursue Jesus more than you would ever pursue a video game, a sport, a movie character, a YouTube channel, or a celebrity. I draw near to Jesus today, and he will draw near to you. And as you draw near to Jesus, live by example so that you can draw others to Jesus. Like not only does he invite you to come close to him, but as, as the children did in verse 14, but he can also use your example to the world of what it looks like to truly love and live for Jesus. And the children in Mark 10 were an example to the, the, the adults in the crowd surrounding them, and you can also be an example to the watching world around you too. And your example may just begin with the way you trust in God and you seek God daily. It might be reflected in the way that you behave yourself or in the way you treat others. 
It may be reflected in the way you serve God with your gifts and talents that he's given you for his glory and to build up your church family. Like no matter how God uses you, remember that you child and, teenage, child and teenager in the room, you play a special role in God's family, including our NBC MoCo family, amen? And so if you're a child or teenager here today and you aren't walking with Jesus, we're still so glad that you're here with us. And maybe you're still thinking about what all this faith stuff means for you personally. And I just want you to know that Jesus is near to you today and desires for you to come close to him. So keep showing up to church. Keep coming to Kids Quest and The Rock and Access and any of our church gatherings with your parents because we want to help you answer the questions that you have and process how God might be at work in your life, which leads to our second point. Number two, Jesus invites parents to bring their children to him. Let's say that together. Jesus invites parents to bring their children to him. So just as people were bringing their children to Jesus in verse 13, so we had parents, grandparents, legal guardians in the room, this text, this text serves as a reminder that the primary responsibility um, for your life as a follower of Jesus, as a parent, is to bring your children to the Lord. Like Jesus was displeased not only with the rejection of children in this text, but the fact that parents were being rejected after earnestly bringing their kids to Jesus. And this is why Jesus commanded the disciples to let them come. But how would the children, especially younger children, get to Jesus? Like it's possible older kids could find their way to Christ, but who would carry an infant to Jesus? Or who would hold the hand of a preschooler or a toddler and lead them to Christ? Well, it's assumed that the parents would. And because this is God's design for the nuclear family, for parents to be the primary disciple makers in the lives of their children. And I would argue that there are two primary avenues where children should learn about who Jesus is, and that's the home and the church. So let's talk about the home first, and then we'll come back to the church. So we don't have time to thoroughly review additional accounts in Scripture. However, one of the most, most known passages, passages in Scripture that sets the stage for families to commit to teaching their children about God and his word is Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. And it says, listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord your God, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them, down, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. So according to this text, parents who follow God should teach their children how to follow God. And they're to do this in two ways, either formally, so when you sit, or casually as you go. And although this was, this was a command to the nation of Israel, it serves as a universal application for all believers, all believers who follow Jesus today. Like even Paul emphasizes in Ephesians 6 to the church, he's exhorting fathers in the early church to bring up their children in the training and, and instruction of the Lord, a similar instruction to Deuteronomy 6. And how is this done? It's done casually as you raise your kids. So that could mean talking about God during car rides or as you fold laundry. It could be sending scriptures and encouragements to your kids through text. Or it might just mean simply living a Christ-like example. But most importantly, I think it's accomplished strategically through something that I call family worship. And what family worship is, is a concentrated time 
where you meet with and worship God regularly as a family. And the formula of that time is pretty simple. It's read, pray, and sing the Bible. Like you pick a passage to read, you pray in light of that passage, and then you spend time praising God in light of his word and his activity in your life. And this time should be intentional, it should be consistent, and depending on your family situation, especially for those of you with younger children, it can be brief. Like it can literally be five minutes in the word, five minutes in prayer, and then five minutes praising God. Or it can be more than that, or it can even be less than that. It's whatever works best for your family. And if this is new kind of or unfamiliar information for you today or possibly just an area of growth for you, I would encourage you to do two practical things. So for one, you can email our staff, any of our staff, and ask for the simple guide to family worship that we've designed to support you in this, and we can get that to you. And second, if you want to take another step further, I encourage you to read Donald Whitney's book entitled Family Worship. It's a super concise book but extremely helpful, Donald Whitney's family worship. You see, God's design for the home includes parents faithfully teaching their children God's word and his ways. And it's been practiced for centuries as we see throughout scripture. However, there's a problem. Many families aren't walking as faithfully as they should in this area or aren't receiving the support that they should. And I think there are a few reasons for that based off my personal and ministerial experience and also just from reading research from different ministries that study the church and the family and trends with the next generation. And here are a couple reasons why it might be hard or where areas they might be lacking support. Some parents may be lacking support from a healthy church. Some may may have never even been discipled themselves like before no one has discipled them, so therefore they don't know how to disciple others. Some may be neglecting the role, their role within the home. Specifically, in my observation, fathers not stepping up to the plate and leading their wives and their kids. Some may be lacking a male presence in the home, so which results in single mothers doing it on their own. Some families may just chase after earthly treasures over eternal treasures. So the ways and things of God is lower on their priority list as a family. Or some parents genuinely struggle to lead their kids to Jesus because their kids have been rebellious towards God's ways and have zero desire to pursue Jesus. And I mention these things not to shame anyone in the room or even with the intent of causing further discouragement, but to express that leading our kids to the Lord isn't always as easy as it sounds. Like even the things that I mentioned aren't a part of an exhaustive list. Like there are so many things that play into this. But if I can remind you of one thing today, it's this, that there is grace for you today. If you neglected the instruction to bring your kids to God, there is grace for you. I simply confess that to the Lord and your family today and make the necessary changes to start prioritizing family worship both, both formally and casually. And if you've been doing this faithfully, leading your children to the Lord, but it's been so difficult and you feel like you're not seeing any results, be reminded that Jesus is with you as you disciple your children. It's actually what we recite every Sunday at the end of our gathering when we declare the Great Commission together. Like there's a specific promise in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And that promise is that Jesus is with you to the end of the what? To the end of the age as you go and make disciples. 
which includes going to the primary place where God has called you as a parent to go, and that's your home. And Jesus not only invites you to trust in his presence, but he also invites you to trust in his provision. Therefore, when things get tough, when it seems like your kids aren't getting it or aren't retaining anything that you're teaching them, or it feels like they're completely distant from God, we must trust that God alone is sovereign over the lives of our kids. And he alone has the power to transform their hearts. Like God isn't asking you as a parent to change your children because that is impossible for you to do. But what he is asking is you remain faithful in loving your kids and teaching them the truths of the gospel daily. So as parents, we aren't meant to produce any supernatural result in the life of our kids, but rather trust in the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish that work in our kids. He's simply calling you to faithfulness and utter dependency upon him. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, we water and plant gospel seeds in the lives of those around us, but it is ultimately, growth is ultimately up to God and only possible for God. So Jesus invites children to draw near to them. He then invites parents to bring their kids to him. But parents, you don't do this alone. You go with Jesus and you go with his church, which brings, which brings us to our third point, and that's number three. Jesus invites his entire family to love children as he does. Can we read that together? Jesus invites his entire family to love children as he does. So this was the lesson for the disciples in Mark 10, and it's a lesson for us today. The responsibility of training and, and instructing children in the ways of the Lord is not just for parents, but it's for the entire family of God to obey. It's our responsibility as the church to come alongside parents, supporting them and equipping them to thrive in their roles as disciple makers, because the church is the training ground for disciples. So how else will parents learn and be supported if we as the church aren't pouring into both them and children in the process? Like Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, wasn't an instruction to only parents, but to all of Israel. Because investing in the spiritual formation of children and teenagers is not an individual experience, but it's a communal one. And this is how the nation of Israel and the early church conducted themselves historically. Now consider these scriptures. Psalm 71, 18, an unnamed psalmist, possibly a really elderly man declares, even when I am old and gray, God, do not abandon me. While I proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all who are to come. Or consider Psalm 78, the psalmist Asaph declares the importance of passing down what his forefathers passed down to him about God. And he says, this is the reason why in verse six, so that a future generation, children yet to be born might know they were to rise and tell their children so that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's word, but keep his commands. Then they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not loyal and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Or consider the early church in Titus 2 when Paul is instructing a young pastor named Titus to teach sound doctrine to the church so that men and women could learn. But the purpose for teaching them was not only for their personal growth, like Paul goes on in Titus 2 to instruct older men, older men based upon what they, they learn to pass that down to younger men. And likewise for older women in the church to pour into the younger women in the church. 
teaching them through the proclamation of the word and exemplifying the word through their lives. Or consider today's biblical text. That's in Mark 10 and also in Matthew 19, where Jesus welcomes all to bring children to him because the kingdom of God belongs to them. Like in each of these scriptures, there's an involvement from individuals outside of the nuclear family in serving the next generation. So not just parents, but the entire family of God. And this is why at McLean Bible Church, we're committed to investing in the spiritual lives of the next generation. This is why we host Family Worship Sundays. It's not to just give our staff and volunteers a break, but we do this strategically so that children can know that they belong to the broader family of Christ, but also so they can watch and observe what it looks like to worship God in reverence and in awe. This is why we offer church groups, our discipleship strategy at NBC. And church groups are designed to represent the entire body of Christ at NBC, including men, women, and children of all ages who are committed to caring for one another, growing together in Christ, and multiplying disciples together. Like, this is why we have church-wide ministries. And we have a picture of some of our leaders uh, leading kids and teenagers. Uh, but this is why we have church-wide ministries that are led by staff who lead out the vision and strategy for partnering with parents and discipling the next generation. And we're blessed at NBC to provide ministries like Kids Quest and The Rock and Access that meet weekly with the purpose of caring for the next generation and helping them grow in their relationship with Jesus. But we don't rely solely on paid staff and ministry plans to do the work. Amen? We rely on God's spirit at work through his church. So this is why we encourage the church at large to get involved in our next-gen ministries to serve alongside our staff and volunteer leaders and supporting parents as we invest in the lives of kids and teenagers, specifically those that God has entrusted to this congregation. So whether you're a member of our church or if you're new to our church, one practical step you can take towards loving children within our congregation is simply by reaching out to our next-gen staff and joining them in serving minors within our church. And even if you're unsure whether or not you're gifted or qualified to serve with children or teenagers, I would encourage you to prayerfully consider it because there are roles that are hands-on with kids and there's also roles that are off, hands-off with kids. And we actually have a table out in our lobby that I would encourage you before you go to stop by that table, talk to one of our staff, and they would love to assist you in getting more information. I wanna highlight one more thing though. There's also ministries at our church that are designed to serve vulnerable children and teenagers in our communities and across the world. Ministries like Woven that serve the orphan and vulnerable kids in our county. Or Good News Club, a ministry that serves children in Title I schools, bringing Bible teaching in exciting ways uh, through after-school programs. Or consider NBC Go, our global mi missions ministry that sends out short, mid, and long-term missionaries to the nations with the goal of meeting urgent spiritual and physical needs, and sometimes that involves reaching the vulnerable across our world. And I would encourage you to email mocoadmin at mcclainbible.org if you have further questions about any of these ministries, and one of our team members will point you in the right direction, providing clarity on both the qualifications and training that's necessary to serve in these roles. But the bottom line is that MoCo family, we need you. And I'm talking about the whole family here including young adults and singles and even the elderly. Like every family member here can play a role in how we support families in our church and bless children in our county. 
May that be in a formal row or casually as you support by prayer. So here's our fourth and final point. Number four, Jesus invites people of all ages to draw near to him. Let's read that together. Jesus invites people of all ages to draw near to him. So remember Jesus' words in verse 15. He says that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. And the invitation to receive God's kingdom, his spiritual rule in your life is open to everyone in this room. And if you are here today and you're yet to commit your life to Jesus, don't miss one of the key invitations in today's text. But the Bible teaches that God created us so that we could know him. But the first man and woman sinned against God, resulting in all humanity having a sin nature. And as a result, we have all sinned against, against God in our thoughts or words or deeds. And the consequences of sin is spiritual death and separation from God. But God has made a way to save us from sin and death by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sin through his death, burial, and resurrection. And Jesus came to establish his rule in our hearts, and he promises to one day return to establish his kingdom in a new heaven and earth where sin and death will be no more. And people cannot gain access to the kingdom of God based on their own merit or their own achievements. But it is only received as God's gift through faith in Jesus and trust that despite our inability to gain entrance, Jesus has made a way for you. So today you can decide to trust Jesus as your savior and receive eternal blessings in Christ. Like just as Jesus blessed the kids who trusted him in verse 16, he desires to bless you spiritually for all of eternity if you trust in him today. And faith in Jesus doesn't require knowing everything or even doing everything right. It simply requires a childlike faith and dependency on God to supply all that you need. So the bottom line for today's message when you draw near to Jesus, he will draw near to you. Jesus welcomes people of all ages, men, women, and children to draw near to him. And why? Because Jesus wants to bless them both now and for all eternity. And this is what I want to invite us to do as we prepare to close our time in God's word uh, today. In light of God's word, specifically in light of Mark 10, 16, I want us to spend the next few minutes in this room Blessing all the children and teenagers represented in this gathering by praying over them. Just as Jesus laid his hands and blessed the kids in Mark 10, I want us to do the same thing. So in just a moment, I want to invite adults to remain seated in this room. And as you remain seated, adults, I want you to lift your hands over the children and teenagers in the room without touching anybody, unless it's your own kid. Um, And we're going to pray out loud together, asking for God's favor and blessing over them and for God to just have a spiritual renewal take place in the hearts of our kids. And kids and teens, this is how I want you guys to participate. I'm going to ask you guys to do something pretty bold. As we're praying for you, I'd like to invite you to stand right where you're at so that way adults in the room can visibly see who you are but also as you're standing, we can know that we, uh, we can also be able to identify who we're praying over. And so adults, please remain seated. Um, 
as you pray over our kids and kids in this moment, kids and teenagers, I want to invite you to just stand right where you are. So thank you, Mariah, and a couple of you guys already standing up, Mike, Mike. And uh, so all kids and teenagers, even the big ones, just stand, and we're going to get ready to pray. So let me start us off by uh, praying, and then after that, adults, as you're led, you just extend your hands um, over kids and just bless them as, as however the Lord leads you to do that. So let me start us off and then we'll pray out loud together. Father, we ask that you would listen to us in this moment as we cry out to you on behalf of our children and teenagers in this room. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have today to gather around your word and in worship with our young family members in our church. We thank you for the kids and teens that are represented in this room that are standing right now. And Father, we ask that, Lord, you would... uh, Receive the blessings, the prayers, the Lord, that have been lifted up by your sons and daughters today in light of your text, but in also in light of, Lord, the reality that our kids need you. And God, I just want to pray first off for our parents in the room, Lord, that are faithful in leading their kids. God, I pray that you would continue to bless them and your favor would be upon them, God. God, that you would give them wisdom, God, as they uh, do in their, their best, do the best they can, Lord, to raise their kids in your way. Understanding that we don't do it perfectly, God, we have our flaws and our mistakes, but that in you there is grace. And Lord God, I pray that you would help us to walk and live in a way, uh, Lord, that is just a great example of our kids, of the way you walked, Lord Jesus. And I pray for those who are struggling today, for a variety of reasons and leading their kids to Christ. Maybe there's just hard-heartedness in the lives of our kids. Maybe it's single parents trying to do it on their own. Maybe it's whatever it might be. God, I pray that you would support them today, Lord God. I pray that you would be their sustainer and their strength, Lord God. I pray, God, that you provide people in their lives to help guide them and lead them, Lord, in knowing what it looks like open the word with our kids, to pray over our kids at home. 
Father, I pray for dads in the room specifically, Lord, that you give them wisdom, help them to step up and assume their role as a spiritual leader in their home, God, and to do it well and with excellence, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would raise up men in this church to love their wives as you love the church. So we talked about last Sunday on Mark 10 and on the topic of divorce, God, we pray for faithful husbands that would lead their wives and their kids so that succeeding generations, Lord, would be blessed by you and those succeeding generations would know you, God, and fear you. God, we lift up kids and teenagers all across this room. We, we love them, God. We thank you for the example in your word today, God, that you call us to love, love them as you love us. And God, so we do ask for special anointing and your favor and your blessing to be upon them in everything that they do. God, we pray that you help them to shine bright for your glory, for the spread of your gospel, right where you've placed them. Doesn't matter if it's their second grade classroom or their soccer team or their theater club or whatever it might be, God, however you have gifted and wired them, Lord, the places where they go and the people that they see, God, we pray that they will be a representation of your love. God, that people will come to know your glory through the way that they live. So God, we pray that over our kids and we pray that you would strengthen them in the midst of the things that so easily entangle them in sin, in the midst of their shortcomings and failures, God, in the midst of the things that they wrestle with, maybe pain in their heart or mental health things, related things, Lord, or bullies or whatever are the things that they fear in their life, God, we pray for your protection over kids and teenagers in this room. We pray, God, that you would sustain them, Lord Jesus. And we pray for spiritual renewal in the hearts of those who are yet to believe. Just as you're doing in the life of college students all across our country right now, in light, of the, in light of the events, the revival that came out of Asbury University, God, we pray for that kind of spiritual revival throughout Montgomery County and all across the DMV, God, that you would raise up followers of Jesus who love and fear you and live for the spread of the gospel amongst the nations in our area, God. Would you do that starting here in North Bethesda, in North Bethesda throughout the DMV and to the ends of the earth? We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.